Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. This is episode 301, basically going to be a part two to episode 300. Yes, more election stuff. Why? Because we need to. (laughs) They had been telling us for weeks we might not have answers. The night of the election. I'm fairly certain that there is some kind of requirement that you have to end an election. That you have to call an election. Yet, we've got judges, we've got individual officials making pronouncements and decisions that, quite frankly, they don't have the authority to do, yet nobody challenges it. Now, I'm just going to guess if I'm a Republican and I ran in a race that I thought I run, or I'm sorry, that I thought I had won. There we go. I would, I don't know, maybe want to pay to have a recount, maybe want to have an investigation, maybe just challenge the election in general. But when you got a sad sap guy that runs and then doesn't even challenge the outcome when it's close, and let's face it, there's going to be a lot of close races which is usually a hallmark of, oh yes, those terrible words that we're not supposed to use. Hmm, malfeasance, cheating, and voter fraud. Yes. Now, Brian McClanahan has said many, many times that there's plenty of evidence that this has been going on for years and years and years, all the way back to colonial times. The only problem is, it's somewhat accepted. And it's not provable. And even if you were to go to court, chances are you won't win. They knew in 1960, Kennedy did not win. But Nixon thought it was better to just leave it well enough alone. We knew in 20, or I'm sorry, the year 2000, that Al Gore didn't win. But we needed the Supreme Court to say, well, you know what? If you're going to keep counting ballots and kind of making stuff up, Florida, you probably need to be consistent about how you do it. And then we heard for the next eight years how he wasn't elected, he was selected. And then in 2016, we heard all about how Russian interference this, Russian interference that, and Trump's not the real president, and Hillary won, blah, 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 blah. 2018, Abrams lost, was a nail-biter, but she lost. They didn't cheat well enough, apparently. But fortunately, that's been put to bed because she got spanked on the Tuesday election. That's right. This episode's coming out on Thursday, November the 10th. And what's done is done. Abrams is gone. Beto is gone. And unfortunately, there's a whole lot of other folks that needed to be gone. And I'm looking at uh, the states of Michigan and Wisconsin as number one and number two, that they just chose to keep those guys there. I mean, California is hopeless. (laughs) They cheerfully brought back in Gavin. I just shudder thinking about that. But realistically, did we expect anything different? So 2020 is come and gone. We all know that there was lots of, let's call it coincidental happenings that just happened to change the outcome of the election from what we thought was going on to what the reality that we all live in now is. And, oh, well, you know, three of those same five states just 
happen to have similar issues this go round. We'll see how that plays out. And I, I think Nevada was in that mix, but I really don't remember off the top of my head. And allegedly, Wisconsin's election was clean this time. But again, uh, I'm not sure about that. This should be reassuring to the entirety of the world that we can fake our elections and cheat our elections just as good as they can. As a matter of fact, we're probably even better because when our people lose, they don't even care to challenge it. And if it wasn't for the fact that the Donald is still around and they're spending all their time and effort to try and bury the guy and destroy him, we might have already forgotten about 2020. Yes, we didn't fix the problems from 2020, so they came back to bite us in 2022. What, pray tell, shall we expect for 2024? Oh, let me guess. More and more and more. Now, it's been said that Florida fixed their problems, and DeSantis won a clean and convincing fight. But then I've heard others say, well, how do we know that they didn't just pat it? How do we know that they didn't? Well, we don't. That's the problem we don't because all the voting software, well, that's proprietary. We don't get to see that. And, oh, well, you want to, I don't know, audit the ballots. Yeah, we're not going to allow that either. Oh, you have questions about this. Yeah, we're not going to let you do that either. I'm sorry. Does anybody really have any faith left in the elections at this point? I mean, at certain point, would we not perhaps be better off just by picking a random number of people out of, well, they used to call it a phone book, but let's call it a phone listing and appointing them to serve as our representative for a certain period of time. Could they do any worse job than those people that we elect? Oh, I know. I know. That's blasphemy. You're a Republican party guy. You're a precinct chair. You carried their weight. Yeah, I did. And I still do. And honestly, I'm prepared to be let down. I'm prepared to be extremely disappointed by what comes out of the Texas legislature this session. But you know what? I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to roll over. I'm not going to play dead. I'm not going to, you know, just give up. No, no, no. This is where the battle really begins. They need to hear from us. We need to be involved. We need to stay involved. There is a funny little coincidence, though, because... Right as the session's wrapping up, oh, well, now there's another set of elections. And while you've all been focusing as good grassroots people on what's been going on down in Austin, which is already preordained and they know exactly what they're going to do before they actually vote on it, you have taken your eyes off the ball and all these local elections are taking place in May. That's right. Those are the people that are going to, I don't know, serve on your city council, your school boards, the ones that determine how your children get their education. Now, again, and I'm going to rehash some old news here. I stand firmly on the conviction that if at all possible, you can get your kids out of the government schools. That is your first and foremost goal. Find somehow some way to make that happen so that you can ensure that the programming that they receive is good programming, is positive programming, and quite frankly, is fair Teaches reasoning, teaching, teaches all the three R's that we used to consider the bare minimum that apparently we don't have time for. (laughs) Apparently, they're a much lower priority these days. 
it's far more important that people learn about what sex is Johnny or Mary, what to do in determining that, and what do you really feel about that, as opposed to reading, writing, and arithmetic, as opposed to, I don't know, learning some logic, some reason. Is that too much to ask for? Is it too much to ask that they could get good phonics so that they can, I don't know, function well as adults? I got to find time and space in my life to add bandwidth so that I can focus not only at the circus that goes on down in Austin for four months every other year, but I also have to deal with the ongoing circus that goes on in my local school board. And then I have to find out a way to deal with the dumpster fire that is my city council led by my awesome mayor, Georgie. Now, I can call names, and I can be mean, and I can do all that stuff, but I'm trying to be kind. And when I use a descriptive word like circus, I just mean it's a big show. They're they're distracting you and keeping you entertained, all the while they're taking the money out of your pocket. And I probably should be a little less negative about my city council, It's fair to say it's probably not a dumpster fire. What it is is an exercise in futility. Because one person says one thing and everybody else gets in lockstep. And the few things that they argue or dicker about really don't affect the outcome of what's going to happen. As a matter of fact, I would imagine that much like what goes on in Austin, all the votes and things that take place are pretty much already preordained. Why, do you ask? Because almost always it's six to one or seven to zero. Very rarely do we get pushback. Do we have discussion? Do we have, I don't, any kind of debate? And once again, these people are supposed to be representing us. These are the people that we work our tails off to get elected every couple of years. And they seem to forget about that. And then when their election time comes, They think they can coast on their money. They think they can coast on their notoriety. But what it really comes down to is we, the people, we, the grassroots, we got to do all the dirty work for them because without us, they can't really win. Without us, they stand the chance of being left out in the cold by 900 votes. Now, when we look across our country and we see that well, you know, we really couldn't figure out what happened and 20% of our voting machines weren't working and we only bothered to count 66% of our votes on election night and we really don't want to know. And It's really because we don't want to admit that this terrible person won the election that we all hate, even though that, that might be the best thing that ever happened for the state of Arizona. We really don't want to acknowledge in Nevada that a guy with an R after his name might have actually eked out a win. We, we game the system just enough that, well, the... Republican that could have maybe short of one in New Hampshire came short. And really, if you want to blame anyone, blame Sununu in New Hampshire. But, I mean, New York, they actually put up a good fight. I mean, when's the last time that happened? Illinois, there was actually a good fight. When's the last time that happened? And this is the worst economy in 40 years. And the best they could do was the low 40s. What have we come to? 
We have an entire section of our nation that only exists to go forward with her hand out saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. That's not the America that I signed up to protect. That's not the America that I sacrificed a portion of my life for. That's not the America that, quite frankly, I think ever was designed to exist. And I accept that these United States aren't so united. These United States really are two to three to nine different entities all lumped together in an empire. Now, once before they were able to successfully put down a secession plan, they were able to stamp out that second independence that was attempted. But I suspect they wouldn't be so fortunate this next go around. I suspect that by and large, the rural and semi-rural and even large chunks of the semi-suburban areas of the states have just had enough. They're tired of having their lives dictated to. They're tired of having their pocketbooks robbed. They're tired of being told what they can and cannot do and when they can and can do them. They want something more. They expect to be treated with a certain amount of respect. That doesn't mean there isn't a history of people being abused. I mean, we can just look at the tribal lands and how those people have been routinely disabused and abused by our federal government and to a lesser extent, our state governments. I mean, we could look into the, <laughs> the latest information put out regarding slavery. That's an interesting little twist now, isn't it? I wonder how that's going to play out. Perhaps. That explains why some things have occurred in the last couple of weeks, huh? Maybe. I don't know. Look, I don't know the details. I, I never really thought to look into it, but it is a curious thing. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Each new cycle wave of uh, immigration, uh, generational and, um, let's call it... Uh, migrational displacements alter the outcomes and the demographics of areas. They, they reorder things from time to time. And this is not the first time it's happened in America. Indeed. I don't really think that any wave of people that move into an area that is one way really ever benefits long-term the original inhabitants of that area, but that is life. It's gone on for thousands of years and it will always continue. And if you're not expanding, you're contracting. If you're not growing, you're dying, right? The, these are all the bumper sticker answers for all of this. And I'm here to tell you that when you have complacency, you lose. You want to know why the giant red wave, the tsunami that was predicted never came about? It's because of complacency. It's because we brought people here that have no vested interest in liberty or freedom. They don't care. They want their free stuff. And the thing that the Republicans seem to forget all the time is when you get in the game of giving stuff away, you're going to lose. The Democrats are just so much better at it than you are. This is not an original thought. We've been talking about this 
in certain circles for years, and they just can't seem to figure it out. We have to improve. Yes, we believe that you should have liberty. We believe that you should be treated with respect. We believe that the government ought to stay out of your house and they ought to stay out of your bank book. We believe that people can make it on their own if we will just get out of their way. We want to help you by not preventing you from being successful. We don't want to rig the system to keep you down. We don't want to rig the system to make you less successful than you ought to be. We don't want to create barriers to your success, but yet we don't do that. And when we do do it, we do it poorly. And we do it time and time again, and yet we don't understand why our message isn't selling. There are millions of people that come here every year looking for a better way of life. They want to escape the place they came from. Yet, when enough quantity of them get in one area, they revert to that which is comfortable, which is honestly where they came from, without realizing that reverting back to the comfort of where they came from, they're actually setting themselves up for the same failures which they fled from. But we don't teach them that either. We don't spend the time to explain that to them either. We don't want to put in the effort. And why is that? I don't know. But time and time again, the Republican Party has failed to do that. Conservatives have failed to do that. Conservatives don't even conserve the ladies' restroom. And they expect us to believe that they're going to save the entire country. They expect us to believe that they're going to serve as a bulwark against the communist and Islamofascism, whatever their latest boogeyman is. I don't buy it anymore. I've said for years, I'm a liberty guy. I put liberty over that. That's my principle, right? My first principle is liberty. Sometimes that means that I got to go along with things just to move my goals one inch forward. Sometimes I have to sacrifice my personal desires for what's best for the team overall. And that's all acceptable to me, but apparently that gets lost in some of our people on our team. They don't seem to fathom the importance of teaching these first principles of demonstrating them from life. They just resort back to what is easy. They resort back to, I don't know, their own little personal citadels. Now we can point fingers. We can say, well, the moderates didn't deliver. We can say that the conservatives are too aggressive. We can say that the church has let us down, which would all be true. But ultimately, it comes down to go look in the mirror. Now, if you're like me and you did everything you feel like you could have possibly done, fine. Then don't be bitter. Don't be sad. Just expect that next time you need to bring six other people with you. You need to inspire other people to do more, to be more involved, to get their interest, to achieve their buy-in. And we don't do that well. I mean, it's that much tougher. We don't have the late, great Rush Limbaugh. We still have Glenn Beck. Other than that, I don't really know what... I mean, even in local radio, I mean, the quote-unquote conservative commentator 
is clearly past his prime. And I mean no disrespect to Mark Davis, but he's not the same Mark Davis that he was when I got here 25 years ago. How could he be? And a lot of the other good guys aren't currently on the radio anymore. Now there's some fun shows that are on. There's some entertaining people, but they don't really inspire people to get interested, to get involved. Now it's a whole lot easier to inspire people when you have three hours and you got basically little vignettes of material that you're putting out and you can riff off of the local events and you can talk about the latest crazy thing that happened. But if you don't do it and you don't do it well, you don't inspire people. I've got 25 to 35 minutes, four or five times a week that I put out my spiel and I reach, I don't know, let's say conservatively 500 people per episode at this current rate. But if you're on the radio and you're reaching 5,000 or 50,000, you've got to up your game. You've got, you got to get people to be interested, be involved. And yes, you can do your fluff stuff from that time and time again. You can, you can be lighthearted and that all sells. That's what people want to hear. If you're doom and gloom all the time, or you're always, this is the most important thing ever. People tune out. They don't want to hear that. Certainly not for three hours a day. That's why the rise of podcasts is so important. That's why independent media is so important. You have 20 to 30 minutes to get your thoughts out there, to get your message out there, and to inspire people to do more. I heard from a friend of mine uh, earlier today. He's wanting to start his own podcast. I'm going to bring him on as a guest probably in the next week or so maybe two weeks, and we're going we're gonna to riff on stuff and have a little fun with that, and he'll kind of get the gist of how this works, and I wish him the best. Man, I'll promote him from time to time if that's you know what he wants me to do. I'm happy to help. Everybody that has something good to add should be out there doing it. Now, maybe, just maybe, somewhere out there, there's a local radio station that needs an afternoon or a morning host, or maybe they just need somebody that's willing to come in and work the weekend. Uh, hey, I'd like to work my way up to that. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Who knows? But it's practice. Practice makes perfect. You got to put in the time. You got to put in those hours. So this is 301 numbered episodes. I've got probably another 25 or 30 that are unnumbered episodes. Figure 30 minutes per episode at 320 episodes. That means I have a, I don't know, 160 hours worth of material out there. I'm doing the time. I'm putting in the effort. And you know why? Because I think this is important. I think it matters. I think that we can make a difference. Each one of us. It pains me to talk to people and they have absolutely no idea what's going on around them. And they act surprised when they hear about things that went on in the city or the school board or even the county level. And they're Like, what? What do you mean? And it's because our local radio really doesn't do justice to it. They focus so much time on the national events because, quite frankly, most people are concerned about national events. They'll spend some time on Texas events, well, because Texas is its own nation. But if you've got a local radio show, why don't you spend five or ten minutes at least every day talking about, well, this is what happened in Wiley. This is what happened in McKinney. This is what happened in Princeton. This is what happened in Prosper. I mean, how hard would it be to, 
serve some of the time in your news report and then have your host talk about it. Well, you know, that's kind of crazy. I can't believe up in the city of Prosper that they would just bury the fact that they had a pervert working for them on the school bus. That's crazy. Why would they do that? I don't know why the people in Prosper would continue to put up with that. I really think the people in Prosper ought to get their act together and figure out a way to handle that. How hard is that? I mean, it's kind of inspiring. It's kind of interesting. Certainly going to get the word out. I mean, I'm willing to bet if you were to drive up to Prosper and float around their ISD, you might find 5% of the people there that know what happened in the last year and a half. How sad is that? If that was my kid in that school district and I found out that my kid was on a bus with a pedophile, oh, somebody's head ought to roll, especially if they covered it up. Yet, we have elected officials that are looking to protect the superintendent that protected the pervert. How does that work? What planet are we on? Put the politics aside. Put the R and the D aside. You're screwing around with somebody's kid and you're defending that? What's wrong with you? How do we get here? How is this acceptable? Why do we even pretend that it's normal for dudes to dress up like women in gobs of makeup and grotesque outfits and dance in front of these kids? You want to talk about PTSD? What is that going to do to a kid? Yet the parents think it's perfectly fine. So who are we to tell the parents how to raise their children? We do it all the time. We tell parents, you shouldn't drive your car unless your kid's in a car seat. Um, You shouldn't smoke in the house when you have a little kid. You shouldn't beat your kid. You shouldn't shake your kid. We tell parents this stuff all the time. I don't understand why it's such a challenge to say, you probably ought to not put perverts in front of your five-year-olds. You probably ought to not prevent or pretend that that's normal behavior. But we do all the time and somehow this is okay. And you know what? Apparently enough of that crazy happened that we got a positive outcome in our election in Princeton ISD. But I'm going to guess that until that happens in Wiley, they're going to keep doing the same thing time and time again. But you know what? Had somebody took the time to inspire the people that had a microphone, that had a platform. Hey, you know what? You got some crazy stuff going over there. You can fix this. All you got to do is go out and vote for these four people because they're willing to serve and they're concerned about our children other than something beyond a platitude. Other than somebody that's willing to pretend that all is well when it's clearly not. Other than... Someone that's willing to go and lie about their opponents or lie about people that disagree with them to get their point across because, well, you know, they're (laughs) the greatest thing since sliced bread. But until we're willing to push back and push back effectively, we cannot be surprised that once again, the conservatives have failed to conserve everything. They defend things that 20 years ago were radical Democrat ideas because, well, it's accepted as normal now and... I mean, really? Are we at the point that we're going to defend all this stuff in five years? Is that really where we're going with this? Man, if you can't inspire people, if you're not interested in getting people to realize the crazy that we're living in, I don't know what else to do. 
I'm putting in the time. I'm making the effort. If you're hearing me out here, I'm asking you. Like my show. Share the show. Subscribe to the show. Put comments in the show. Rate the show. Tell your friends. Tell your family. If you got something interesting going on, let me know. I will be happy to share it. If you really care about what's going on in Texas, if you really think this is worth fighting for, I'm your guy. We don't have to agree on everything, but certainly we're going to agree on the vast majority of things. And, you know, if I get a big enough platform where I've got two microphones, I'll be happy to interview people all the time. But right now I got to do this even either in the evening or on the weekends and put it together. And I'm a one man show. I'm a one-man wrecking crew, if you ask me. <laughs> Good enough to be on a couple of people's radar that they're really upset about what I do. And that's good. I want a lot of you people out there to be excited about what I'm doing. And I want you to be excited when you go out and do what you do. We can make a difference. We just have to do the work. And it's not that hard. If you believe in this stuff, what's five minutes? What's an hour? Do it. Put in the effort. It takes time. You'll build that dividend. If you have young kids, pour it into their kids. I wish I would have had a better work schedule when my kids were younger. I would have loved to spend more time going over the history books, going over the propaganda versus what the reality is going. You know what? I actually am a fan of revisionist history. As long as it's good revisionist history, as long as it's even handed revisionist history. And there's plenty of it out there because there's often more versions of what actually happened. And there's usually two sides to an altercation. You have to know all of the information that you can possibly know in order to make an intelligent, informed decision. But alas, we don't want to do that because we don't want to upset some people. And I just think that's a bad idea. Well... I've exceeded my 30 minutes with that. This is According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.